Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. Come inside, the show's about to start. Guaranteed to blow your head apart. This is the Shannon Smith Shooting Podcast. Guess it up. Howdy, folks, and welcome to the Shannon Smith Shooting Podcast, or in this case, we're back on the truck cast. I had some decent feedback on that. Everybody said the audio was acceptable, so probably going to continue doing that at least part of the time, if not the majority of the time. Again, just from a time standpoint, it allows me to, uh, hopefully allows me to get more podcasts out and, and more content out, which is the goal. So I am back, Finally. It's been quite a month. We were in France for uh, 16 days, I think, 17 days for the IPSC World Championship. And I live in the Orlando area near the range. We flew out of Miami, which if you're not a geographist is about three and a half hours south. We parked in a off-site cheapo parking place kind of thing. I say we, the family was with me, the wife and, and kid. And we flew back. On the, the day we came back was the Thursday prior to Hurricane Irma, which hit on Sunday night. So Miami was already starting evacuations, and the Keys had already evacuated. and So that was uh, exciting, to say the least, and getting the car and getting gas and and getting back home after flying for nine hours and... And we had to drive for four hours before that, where we were we were staying in the Normandy area for the last part of our trip. From there over to, to Paris was about a four-hour drive, then a nine-hour flight, and then a what turned out to be a five-and-a-half-hour drive, which isn't bad considering uh, it took us a, it took us a bit to find gas, and then I took the back roads coming up because I didn't want to get stuck on the interstate with all the the lunatics. But I've got an interesting podcast coming up on that on uh, survival situations and natural disasters and some um, some things that I knew and some things that I learned and maybe some things that we can figure out together so that, that should be interesting uh, but that was right back into a hurricane in, in Florida which was uh, almost two weeks and it was really a week of you know three days of prep and then two days of recovery and then power was out for four days five days and point is I've been offline for a while and it's nice to get back and some semblance of a routine it's uh now Saturday mornings, we have a local three-gun match today at 6.30 in the morning, and I'm on the way to work, so it's also looking forward to, to shooting some different stuff, get away from the open gun and, and shoot for fun for a little bit. Uh, if you haven't heard of my friend Arik Levy and his, and his podcast, Firearms Nation, I would encourage you to check it out. He's the guy that also did the Shooter's Summit last year that I was a part of, uh, which that's also cool and worth checking out. Uh, I don't know if... The Firearms Nation has a website. I know the Shooter Summit does, but if you just Google Firearms Nation podcast, I'm sure you'll find it. So I've done a couple of interviews with him, and I just did one the other day. Uh, he's more organized and professional than I am, and he kind of beat me to the punch on the overall world shoot experience. And uh, his podcast is good. A lot of the content on there is good. He's a he's a super nice guy, and he's a friend. So I would encourage you to to go check out his that podcast. Uh, all of his podcasts, really, but the one that, that he covered with me, because I know a lot of people listen to a lot of the different shooting podcasts, so I'm not going to rehash everything uh, 
that I went through with him, because a lot of it is going to be stuff that I was going to cover uh, anyway. Um, but it's about an hour long, and it goes kind of in more about me and my mentality and my mindset and, and uh, how to compete and and handling pressure and, and that type of thing. And it's, uh, I think, somewhat interesting. But uh, so for, for my coverage of the world shoot, uh, here I'm going to go more into more into detail, more into the minutia of certain aspects of the match that I thought were interesting and important. And I'm probably going to break it up into into two parts. Actually, it's it's a pretty long deal, and my drive to work isn't that long, so uh, that's that's the goal. And then I've got a couple of uh, self defense type casts I want to cover. One on our international travel experience with a family, and then one on the hurricane here, natural disaster, as I mentioned, and then if you don't know what woulda, coulda, shoulda means in terms of match performance and shooting, I've got a, I think, interesting podcast on that, too. I started uh, hacking it out a little bit and looking at some numbers, and you may or, you may find it interesting and something you can apply to, to your matches and, and to your training, so that covers at least a, a couple of weeks. I'll try to get them more than once a week till I can get caught up on these topics that I wanted to and so they're not too too far from recent experience and then that's not even not even covering shooting questions which I've, I've got those stacking up as well remember you can hit me on the Facebook page on the website or direct to my email and if you got any topics you want me to talk about fire away I keep a list of them and it's it's a growing list so I may not get to it within a, a week or two but I don't throw them away I hang on to them and usually when something happens or there's some type of a, a uh, topic that I want to cover for whatever reason, I'll usually be able to find a question that kind of ties into that and has some relevance, and I'll hit that question at that time. Um, and then training-wise, remember I'm here to train. It's been, uh, I'll cover some of this in this in this podcast, but the prep and the train-up for me for the World Shoot was pretty intensive this year, and um you know, I don't want to. I may make another team, but I kind of felt like this may be the last, the last chance I'm going to be on, on one of the main teams. I didn't want to leave anything to chance. You know, put all the work in that I could put in. So I really, I really did spend a lot of time training, practicing, vetting the gear, getting ready, and you know that takes a toll on everything else in your life. It takes a toll on family stuff, and it takes a toll on work. So I really didn't, I haven't really taught that much this spring and summer which is unusual. It's normally the time that I teach more because I'm busy uh, running matches in the fall. Like we're getting ready to, to get on our crazy match season now coming up here. Uh, for so busy time of year for me on, on that realm. Uh, so I've had to slough off a lot of people that wanted to train with me, which I hate to do, but it was kind of I need to take the time and, and do what i got to do right now. So I apologize to those folks, and I'm getting back to them now. But uh, if you want to get some training with me, now's a good time. Uh, here at Universal Shooting Academy, I think, is the, the best value we provide with our facilities and equipment and knowing the way around. And, you know, I've got a system down here. But I also have gun will travel. I'm happy to come to your range as long as it's not below 50 degrees this time of year and uh, work work with you or, or your guys there. So, again, hit me up on any of those avenues, Facebook, email, or uh, the website, which is shannonsmithshooting.com. And you can always reach us at, uh, at the work website as well, universalshootingacademy.com. There's an info email on there. You can always hit us there and inquire about training, whether it's 
at uh, your site or our site and myself or my partner Frank will be happy to, to come to come take care of you um, so world championship I assume most folks listening to this are familiar with the IPSC world shoot but it's International Practical Shooting Confederation World Championship it's the international governing body of our sport which in the US we call USPSA which is United States Practical Shooting Association and we are a region of IPSC we're a part of IPSC we started IPSC and every three years they host a world championship somewhere in the world the, the last world shoot was actually at our range here in Frost Roof, Florida Universal Shooting Academy and I was integral in, in facilitating that match uh, prior to that it was in Greece uh, prior to that it was in Indonesia and goes back from there so this year it was in in France in a town called Châteauroux, France which is about three and a half hours south of Paris in a pretty rural area um, you know I, we didn't we didn't explore around a ton but it's you know kind of typical rural European roads and farm you know, a lot of farmlands and small winding roads you know kind of in the middle of nowhere and we didn't spend any time in Paris when we got there we basically got the car and boogied straight down to where we were staying um, we got in on a on a Wednesday the match started the following Monday uh, shooting wise with the opening ceremonies on Sunday prior and it's really kind of like our Olympics they had to make a big deal about opening ceremonies the all the countries line up with their jerseys on and they march you in that little it's kind of a cool little town I you know I would um, call it similar to you know any small town in America I had a little little town square with a bunch of shops uh, outdoor restaurants outdoor seating uh, a couple of bars and uh, like a little plaza where they set up a stage so it was cool we everybody marched in they had bands and music and cultural stuff on the stage and have lunch and, and that kind of stuff uh, so that was cool and then the match is pretty long the match runs for six days and you shoot five of those days so at one point in those six days you have a day off and there's 30 courses of fire so you know if you're used to shooting USPSA or a state match you may have you know, 10 12 stages maybe area match you got 12 or 14 uh, nationals we've, we've been in the 18 to 20 range for a while uh, so this was 30 obviously that's a significant uh, significant number of stages and consistency comes into play which we'll certainly have time to talk about that um, so the, the opening ceremonies is Sunday and everybody starts start shooting on Monday there was I think 1500 competitors from 80 plus countries so again pretty pretty big deal uh, for us in the shooting world and like I said it is it is our Olympics we have uh, US teams that are put forth and I was on the the US men's open team I say men's team it's just the, the primary team not necessarily a, a gender specific um, and that's an individual competition just like any other practical shooting match is but at the at the world championship level they also incorporate team scores and the way that works is they there's four there's four people on a team 
you still shoot the match like you would any other match, individual competition, and then they take your match points individually, and they add up the top three scores on the four-man team. So you have one, you have one throwout or one caveat if you know I don't know somebody gets DQ'd or gets you know hurt or sick or can't finish the match or whatever. Uh, so that gives you a little bit of breathing room. And they add up the scores, and then they compare that to all the other teams, and then they rank the teams as well. So they do, they award the top three, again, some of the Olympics. They have the, the gold, silver, bronze, a little podium at the at the awards. And they do that for uh, every division and category and team. So they'll have top three overall, top three lady, top three senior. And then they have top three team, top three lady team, top three senior team, etc. And... Side note: I mentioned the the um, it's not necessarily gender specific. If if you guys know uh, Maria Gashina, if you don't look her up, she's a production shooter from Russia, and she is phenomenal. Um, I know her to say hi. I'm, we're not uh, we're not friends or anything, but uh, I've only seen her shoot a couple of times because we're usually shooting at the same time. I watched her shoot the shootoffs this year, and just a phenomenal shooter. She finished. Uh, sixth overall, I think, or fifth overall, fifth or sixth overall in production at the World Championship, which is amazing. And she was on the main Russian team, so there wasn't a, you know, there is a ladies team, but she was on the main team, and I think she finished second on the team. I think the um, their their number one guy finished second overall in the match, and then she was their second team scorer. So that's that's pretty phenomenal. Um, but they also have ladies team, which is category, and then they have the age categories, senior and, and super senior, and that kind of stuff. So there's a lot of a lot of stuff going on. But um, to make the team was a was a big goal of mine. I talked about that with with Arik, but it's a two year process over four matches to get qualified, and you know I'm trying to compete against the best in the country here to to make the team, and I'd, I'd set the goal kind of right about the time we had the world shoot at our place uh, because I was so busy working the match, didn't have time to, to train for the match at all. And that that sucks, but, that's, you know, my job's running matches, not shooting matches, so everybody's got to work. Uh, but I'd set the goal then, like, next time, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it a run and switched over to, I'd switched to open division by that time from, from limited or standard and, and really put in the time, uh, did the best I could to, to make the team, and uh, you know, it was close. I, I, I was pretty much solidly in there the whole time, but it was it was never a given until the last came down to the last match, uh, the last IPSC or no, the last USPSA nationals. Um, at our is that right? Yeah, last USPSA nationals at our place, and uh, Max, Max, Michelle, and Chris Tilly, they had the, you know, the number one and two spots locked up pretty much. And then after that, it was there was kind of a, a pack trying to get in there. KC, UCBO was in there, and me and um, Eddie Garcia wasn't too far back, and Bill Drummond, and um, so that, you know that was a big accomplishment for me just to be on the team. Uh, obviously, I'm a big Homer uh, American fan, and it, it you know it means a lot to me to to represent the country. I was on the U.S. men's team for. Um, standard division in 2008 in Indonesia and again that was a big goal two year process to make 
to make it. Uh, so I was super proud of that. And then 11, I didn't, I did not go to the world shoot. And then 14, it was here. And then so now here we are in um, in 17, making the team again. So that, yeah, you know, I'm proud of that, making the team in standard, and, and then turn around and making the team in open. Uh, not an easy accomplishment against the best guys in the country. Uh, so that was that was cool and a goal achieved. And then, like I said, I didn't want to. I didn't want to let the team down. So I, you know, I'd spent the, I'd spent the time really since May, um, you know, really practicing, pretty much shooting every day, and really vetting the gear out, which was not an easy process. I, you know, I changed calibers and changed guns pr just prior to this. Uh, just gone to the the metal grips and uh, just changed to the to to a small red dot sight. So, yeah, it's still an open gun, but totally different from the big 5-inch 38 Super Comp with a traditional Seymour that I had run forever. Ever since I started shooting open, I'd always run the same thing. So that was a big change because you think there's something better and, you know, you don't want to leave anything to chance. And a lot of fights there. Again, I went through that with Eric, but um, breaking, you know, breaking stuff, breaking guns, breaking sight, breaking the hell out of sights. And... You know, had I not had all that process and time to put in, then that stuff would have happened at the world shoot, you know, or would have happened right before the world shoot. And I really didn't everything shook out until, um, see, the Pro-Am was in July. Both my guns were broke then. Um, so right after that, like, so 1st of August or something, I finally get them back for the last time. And we left on the 20-something of August, 21st or 2nd. Uh, so it was really down, you know, it was down to the wire, even with putting two years in. And it wasn't always the same thing, but that just happens. You know, I tell everybody, open division is like a top field dragster, man. You're you're running everything on the edge. You're running the the, the tightest tolerances you can on on all aspects of the gun to to wring the most performance out of it. And shit's gonna break. It's just uh, the way it happens. Pause for coffee sip. Just like a you know, top field dragster, they uh, they rebuild the engine pretty much every time the thing runs down the track. Well, we can't quite do that, but it's not far off. It's not far off. You do have to you know to try to maintain your equipment as best you can. And and uh, I get a, questions often about cleaning my guns, and I really don't clean them that often, uh, in my opinion. But before every major match, major event, I do totally strip the gun down and do a full detail clean and it's not something I it is it is to clean the gun but it is is as much to look for parts that are that are broken or about to break than it is to clean the gun uh, that's where you got to try to catch oh my firing pin spring broke well it'll work just fine for a while until that little piece of spring gets stuck up in the hole and jams up a firing pin or uh, I've got a, you know, a hairline crack in my safety or my scope mount or my comp or something. And that's where you're going to find these things, hopefully, before uh, before they break on you. Uh, for example, I was shooting with Chris Tilly. He was on the team. Uh, we got out there. We were staying together in a house. Uh, not that way. We got out there early, and we shot pretty much, not pretty much, we shot every day at the range leading up to the world shoot or leading up to the to the start of the match. And we go out, I think it was the very first day we went out, 
it was actually it was the first day we go out and shoot and this guy he knows his stuff you know he, I give him a hard time saying he's a tinkerer but he, he really understands the gun how they work what makes them what makes them run how to mess with them things to do to make them better we go out there and shoot a little bit his gun significantly his zero is significantly off I forget how much but let's say 18 inches or something or a foot and I was kind of thinking well that sucks I mean airline travel the gun get knocked um, how good was it zero before you came here is there elevation or atmospheric conditions or you know what the hell's going on and his first uh, his first inkling was I bet my scope mount was broken and you know that hadn't even occurred to me really and and uh he goes looking at it and sure enough there's a there's just a hairline crack where it's just starting and that was enough you know to move the scope a little bit but um you know he knew his gear well enough that that the gun would not be off that much so something something happened and you can't ignore that something and just think oh it's probably nothing no it's probably something and you got to investigate and figure it out and luckily he did and he was able to to go to his backup gun and uh, had time you know it was early we still had a lot of days before the match started so he had time to had time to fix it uh, so you know all, all that preparation uh, adds up in time and, and and sacrifices that we make in order to be as prepared as we can uh, I talked a lot about again I'm trying not to rehash everything I did with Eric or Eric but I um, you know I talked a lot about goals I had really three goals I was I was looking at I wanted to shoot well was number one I wanted the team to win and I wanted to be a part of the you know you want to shoot well enough that your score counts for the team and accomplished a couple of those I didn't I don't feel like I shot well to my uh, to my standard but we did win the gold medal as a team which was a you know a huge honor and a huge accomplishment and uh, my score, my score did did hang in there for the team. So that was that was cool. Again, nothing against other teammates. They're all they're all awesome, and it could have been any of us. Uh, nobody nobody on the team shot fantastical, but you know we shot well enough to pull it out. And I'll talk a little bit more about the strategies of the teams in in a um, in a different podcast. Want to hit on the on the ranges a little bit? I didn't really cover much of that. The range was uh, amazing. I don't know 100% the history of it, but from what I gather, it was a it was a military range at one point, and then uh, they did a lot of improvements, modifications to bring it to uh, a competition range. Uh, I didn't count I didn't count all the berms, and I didn't really walk around. It's but the thing was massive. I don't know how many acres they have there, but it's a lot. And we had you know, 30 30 stages for the for the match and he, those stages are broke up into what they call areas so each area is six stages and those were clearly purpose-built because they were nicely demarcated they had you know six identical berms times five you know five different arrays different positions with six of these uh, very very nice shooting bays berms were probably 30 feet tall uh, perfect pyramid uh, construction and large maybe you know 30 meters by by 40 or t- 25 by 30 or something like that nice nice size base and in addition to that they had a lot of rifle bays that were uh, I don't know 
know, 100 meters wide or, or 75 meters wide by, by 100 or 150 meters deep. They had a number of those. Huge uh, shotgun skeet range that was the coolest one I've ever seen. They had a berm that was, hell, I don't know, 50, 50 feet tall or more. And the width in the semicircle was two or three hundred yards or two hundred yards. It was it was massive. And then down the face of it, they rolled this uh, like a visqueen or like a tarpaulin, for lack of a better word, that was like a forest green color. And that covered the whole wall. It looked like the green monster from whatever uh, baseball field that is, St. Louis or I forget where. But there's a massive green wall. Uh, so you'd have the um, the good the good view of the clays. So the clays would contrast well against that background, and then they had their ski range down there in the bottom. And it was just it was just awesome. And I learned a little bit when I used to work in Tulsa out there at the at the U.S. Shooting Academy years ago on on how they constructed their berms. And if memory serves me correctly, that that on average you the, it's a it's a two to one ratio on on base berm width. To berm height so if you want a, a 30 foot tall berm you're gonna to have to have 60 feet wide at the bottom in order to support that and that becomes an issue when you're looking at building a range because you have so much real estate to work with in order to fit in the base that you want to fit in well if you're taking up this much real estate with the base of your berm you can see where you know that's eating up a lot of space and I know that was a big deal in Tulsa because they had um, paid extra or got some type of crazy engineering where they could they could actually build them to a one-to-one and that's why they looked so they looked like a damn wall more so than a berm out there uh, but that was big dollars and big engineering to get that done you know here in a case like this it i guess it probably doesn't matter because it's government land i think government money you know they don't care how much room they're taking up or what it costs so you know the berms were, were super thick at the base and um it's just a fantastic range i can't i can't speak hotly enough about the range it was it was awesome the only only downside they didn't they didn't have um much shade at all which you know from me running matches for a living i kind of learn what the creature comforts are that people are looking for but uh, they didn't have much shade they didn't have many bathrooms they didn't have water which are the same complaints that we always used to get so i, I understand that but you know when you're put on a match that's not your main focus they could have done a little bit better there but the facilities were great they had a nice building with the the uh, registration and the vendor area was inside. They had uh, I didn't we didn't get to look around at it much, but it was uh, also indoor shooting facilities there. They had like a 25 meter range and I think a 50 meter range and some different stuff inside. Uh, so that was cool. So I can't say can't say enough about the about the range. And then the match kicked off on Monday. Uh, after the opening ceremonies, and the, you know, I just had a, had a kind of a crappy start to the match, and shot decent on the first stage, second stage I had two stupid misses on wide open targets, and I, you know, I think it just, it just came down to nerves, I um, put a lot of pressure on myself, trying to, you know, with all the preparation that goes into play, and all the money, and the travel, and you know, the hoopla and the pomp and circumstance and you know I don't think choke or cave is the right word it was just I was feeling the pressure and it affected my you know my my ability to hold the damn gun still so that was disappointing at a really crappy stage there finished out the day so so 
Uh, second day, we come come back at it, and they run split schedules like we do here, afternoon, morning, afternoon, morning. So we started afternoon first, now we're morning, and shot pretty good that day. I felt um, I felt like I might might be coming back at it, and then we get to the last stage of the day, and I have two misses on wide open targets that are super close, and that was so heartbreaking because I felt like I was getting back into it. And then, bam, two crazy mystery misses with no explanation. And so I'm racking my brain thinking about it because, man, the, the sight looked good. The sight was on the freaking target. There's no way there's no way I missed these targets like that. And that we're coming up on a day off after that. So I'm thinking, 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 well, finally I figured it out. The, the targets, it was, a, it was a, totally my fault, 100%. But there's a trifold reason of excuses I have. Uh, it was that the targets were close. They were half targets. So they cut the target in half. And it was a static you were picking up between an activator and a moving target. So he shot a steel, transition over, hit this half target, transition back to catch this mover. I think it was a max trap. Um, so I did a couple things wrong. Number one, I aimed at the wrong spot. I aimed at the middle of the target. And because it was close, and because it was a half target, you got some hold off there, which I'm no, I'm not an idiot. Except I didn't do it. And then when I went back the following day to, to confirm zero and just do a little practice like I'd been doing, um, my dot was a little, I was shooting a little bit low. Nothing nothing drastic, but, you know, the Seymour's move around a little bit, so it shifted maybe a half inch to an inch, inch low. Uh, so all those things coupled together, I shot underneath the target. So on both these, and it was like a left and right kind of deal. So both these close targets, I had alpha mic, alpha mic. I'm like, God damn, how the hell? But, you know, at least I figured it out. So I, I, that made me feel a little bit better, kind of, sort of, not really. But in the fact that my dot was on the target, so I wasn't crazy. It was just a compilation of the target being close, me putting the dot in the wrong spot, and the scope shifting ever so slightly. Again, the scope shift is, I'm not making excuses. If I'd have, if I'd have put the dot in the right spot, it wouldn't have been a problem. Um... But I didn't. So, finishing out the day there, that kind of sucked. And then, so now I'm in pretty deep hole. And I'm four, four misses down. That equates to probably 75, 80 points, uh, which is significant. And now we're going into a break. So I have a day off, day off coming up, and I got a day to sit on it and and think about it. Um, you know, it's all in all not a great start. But now I'm starting to think, all right, we got to get back into this thing. We've come a long way. We put a lot of time into this. Let's not, you know, let's not throw it away. Get back. Let's get back on the horse and and do well for the team. You know, a lot of things come into play. There's, you know, the time change going to Europe, which that's why we tried to get there early. And then, and these are things I don't have experience on, which I talked about that with Ark as well. But, you know, I don't have a lot of international match experience. Um. I don't have a lot of international travel experience. I'm a pretty picky eater, so I, you've got the food there's weird. Um, not necessarily bad or good, except French fruit is bad. But other than that, but even like you know, stupid things like the bread tastes different, the Coke tastes a little bit different. It's the um, we you know we got some lunch meat and to make sandwiches and stuff to, to have easy meals. That tastes a little different. It's not necessarily bad or good. It's just everything's everything's different and. 
you know, the family was with uh, a baby and the wife, which was awesome to have them there. Uh, but again, that's it's something I'm not used to uh, with at, at major matches as well. So, you know, all these little things come into play that you have to consider, and, and that's where the experience comes into play. Uh, so now we're going into the day off, and uh, I'm going to cut her off here, and I'll pick it up with the last last three days on the next podcast, and the astounding finish, and a couple of um, you know, a couple of key learning points I think we can we can take away from the match. So thanks for listening, guys. Be sure to hit me up with your questions. I'm arriving at the range, gonna get out the rifle and the scatter gun, and see if I can run with these kids. You guys have a good day. See you on the range. Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. Then behind